Greetings, my sweet, lovely listeners. I'm Andrew Crusoe, and welcome back to Ascendant, a show about personal growth, self-awareness, and our journey from scarcity to abundance. Today we dive into part two of our attachment style special with Caitlin, recorded last year, if you can believe that. Some things have changed since this conversation, including where I live, but the value of this conversation has not changed. And if you haven't yet, I suggest you go back and listen to the episode right before this one. Listen to part one. That will give you more context for this conversation. Do you look outside yourself to find safety? Or are you like a cork floating in the ocean screaming, I must control, I must control? How do we live with the knowledge that every relationship is imbued with impermanence? We address these questions and so much more. Strap yourself in and enjoy. I've basically learned uh, not to share too many details, but she she had a there was very connected with her childhood. Let's just say that. Well, isn't it always though? I mean, that's the case for anxious attachment too. Typically, I mean, Often. I know that's the case for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, my experience. I don't know. It's interesting. I. I mean, I'm going to start with like the the sort of global viewpoint of sure wherever you feel comfortable. I, I think in some ways, um, having an anxious attachment style and being with somebody who's fairly avoidant, it's been a learning opportunity for me because it's kind of forced me to address um, some habits within myself that I I don't know that I would have necessarily if I was dating somebody that was more secure. Hmm. Um, So that's kind of like the global, like, here's the the positive sort of spin on it because like (laughs) um when you okay so how do i frame this like if you so with my one of the characteristics of anxious attachment is you can sometimes have a really difficult time regulating your emotions and um (laughs) sing it sister (laughs) i yeah i have had that experience and if you're with somebody who is avoidant, you're not getting as much like co-regulation as maybe you would with somebody that's secure. And so I've um, kind of by default been forced to like get very honest with myself and put in the work to learn how to regulate my emotions better than I ever have in my adult life. And oh, okay. um, that's a blessing for sure. Yeah. Um it's it's tough though. I mean, and you've been yeah, with this person for a while, so there's like a lot of shared history and a lot of momentum. It sounds like. Yes, that is absolutely true. I mean, we've been together for many years at this point, um, and you know, I think what's very interesting to me about these two attachment styles is you sometimes have similar struggles, but they manifest in very different ways. Hmm. So, um, like. I'll get overwhelmed pretty easily when there's conflict and so does my partner, but our reactions to that overwhelming feeling are completely opposite. So with avoidant attachment, um, like they seek, like you said, they, they very like almost like voraciously defend their sovereignty, which I like that word. I like that you use that word cause that's very spot on. Yeah. Um, so conflict feels like a threat to that sovereignty. And so in conflict, it's, I need space. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas with anxious attachment, I seek connection when Mm -hmm. there's conflict. 
sort of and diametrically opposed. Yes, <laughs> yes. So both of us get very overwhelmed in those tense emotional situations, but we have very different like reactions to that feeling, um, which can be pretty challenging to be honest. Do you? I'm curious if I could ask an inter- interjection yeah. question. Do yeah. you? Do you realize? what is happening when that is happening because it can often be so challenging to be aware of what's happening in the present moment i sound like a buddhist but it's it is so challenging to nothing wrong with that but it (laughs) please forgive me if i start sounding like ram das or something because i listen to him a lot but (laughs) it's so true it's so true right like are you aware in the present moment because that's the real magic trick is being aware of what's happening and that i think you only get to that point when you've kind of trained yourself when you're like, Oh, I am seeing this. Yes. Um, I have gotten to a point where I'm very aware of it when it's happening. Um, in terms of acting the way I want to act in response to it, Mm. that still is a learning process at times, Mm. but, um, it's not easy. Even people who meditate a lot still will lose the present moment and still will get caught up. And I still do. I mean, it's, yeah, it's always, yes. I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, that's the thing that I think is really interesting is like, no matter what your attachment style is, like the skill of learning how to pause before you react is something that's universal, right? Like everybody struggles with that, I think, to some extent. Yeah. Um, but yes, um, I am aware of it when that sort of attachment pain comes up. Um, it's like, it's a trip because like it's... Um, <laughs> You know, with anxious attachment, you're kind of taught early on, like, not to trust yourself. And so that's been, Hmm. like, this kind of beautiful opportunity to trust that I can handle those situations and trust myself and provide myself with that sort of care and connection that I'm looking for. You're saying in anxious attachment, you're trained not to trust yourself. I, yeah, that would be my interpretation of it sometimes because, um... I mean, never at least in my like experience. That. No, no, your your experience is super valid. I'm just I'm thinking about that. I've never thought of it like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that I've read it phrased that way specifically, and that honestly just kind of came out of my mouth right now. But um, I I think that's been my experience living with that attachment style for a while now. Is um, mm. when because you know when you grow up in kind of like a chaotic um, environment that's not like super attuned, um, you start like. <laughs> looking everywhere outside of yourself to kind of calibrate in your environment so like oh what are like so this is this is like one of the things that is very interesting and like i appreciate this about myself i'm like hyper aware of stuff that's happening so if somebody's like if somebody's facial expression changes like ever so slightly i notice it um I'm like hyper attuned to like what other people are doing. I can feel when somebody gets upset, even if they haven't said anything and that develops. (laughs) It is a reflection of my attachment style and it is a gift and a curse sometimes. Um, But you, you look outside of yourself to find safety. Right. And then you start to kind of lose sight of like the safety within yourself. So that's, that's like a learning process too, with ancient anxious attachment. That's a really interesting point, Kaylin. So, so would you say that is uh, emblematic of people who who are anxious attachment or identify anxious attachment? There's a bit of a spectrum. Um, yeah. 
and, and you know, I it, incidentally, I think I was very secure before that relationship. I think I'm kind of fifty yeah. fifty secure and anxious now, if I'm being honest yeah. with myself. And uh, and I and I think that's going to continue to improve. But looking for security outside yourself is such an interesting way to frame. There's a lot of truth in that mm-hmm. of being anxious because because when you're anxious, what do you want? You want that reassurance. You want yep. this person to be here, you know, even if they're my, even if you're not like necessarily touching them, maybe they're like talking you down or they're being present and they're assuring you that they're gonna be in your life. And <laughs> yeah, that last one especially, like that's that's mm. my um that's my like sticking point all the time is like mm. just tell me you're gonna talk to me again. Like that's that's all I need. Like I just want that reassurance. It's too real, Caitlin. It's too real. Yeah. Can you relate? Yeah. Yeah, I can. Yeah. And and what what's helped me kind of self self-soothe uh in in various times in my life is is uh that well there's a couple things. And one one thing is, you know, having in as much as possible like a pretty good network of friends. Even, yes. even people who, because unfortunately, and, and I was kind of guilty of this in the relationship with the avoidant person, um, who had a lot of good qualities, um, yeah. but was very traumatized and, and other things. Um, it, it, you know, a lot of times when people get into something, especially when they're in the NRE, the new relationship energy, um, they tend to... You know, let their friendships uh, wither a little bit. Sometimes it's very, very easy. Yes. To neglect. Uh, yes. Neglect friendships, and that was a good uh, learning experience for me. Yeah, um, to make sure you maintain those those connections, those social connections. I mean, I knew that. I knew that. Um, oh, we all know that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> But, but, you know, when you be, when you, when you, when you're in a puppy love stage and you're like, this is person's the best, you know, this is like my favorite person, you know, it's a very interesting balancing act. Um, have you had any insights in, in terms of, I mean, maybe that's, I think that's more challenging, obviously in the puppy love stage in the first like few months where you got relationship energy. Um, but I think the thing that's really helped me is is yeah having having that social network and just kind of redundancy um and getting comfortable being by myself um and that you know meditating and journaling these are all things we've all heard before but how many of us actually do them you know if you if you take yeah. that if you take those little do these little things and just generally the thing that also like the main thing now that really helps me is um is kind of jaded it's a kind of a jaded thing to say but it's also kind of beautiful and it's also pretty buddhist and that is just the concept of anicca have you heard the word anicca before that sounds really familiar but you're gonna have to elaborate so it means impermanence it's the poly or i think it's the poly version of Ah. impermanence and you just you just realize in your gut you know there's this old saying um, knowledge is a rumor until it lives in the body. And mm. when you get that in your gut, that a Nietzsche is real, it's part of being a human, that every one of your relationships is imbued with a Nietzsche. Every one of your relationships is 
Um, this is not a secret Buddhist podcast, I swear, but this is just like something that is very <laughs> active in my sphere, especially in the last few years of like, even the person you love the most, you're, oh God, am I sound, can I sound like really like an oldie and just like a terribly jaded person? Just go for even it. Even the person you love the most, your best case scenario, your kind of your best case scenario is that they hold your hand at your deathbed, which is cool. Right. The second best case scenario in my head, and your mileage may vary, is that you get to hold their hand at their deathbed. Right. And the more highly more likely case scenario is that you grow apart. And mm-hmm. and none of these are bad. No. I, yeah. Where the, where, where the pain comes in is the clinging. The pain comes in and thinking yes. that this is... You know, even people who are married for 30 years, there's no guarantee, right? Right. So that so so what happens when you live with that when you live with the knowledge of anicca, when you live with the knowledge of impermanence in every interaction and you really have it in your head, this could be the last time I talk to this person and I am not perfect at this by any means, but I'm much more aware of it than I used to be suddenly every interaction becomes a little more precious, a little more special, a little more magical, you know, like you just have this one opportunity, you know, that's a beautiful sentiment that I really appreciate right now. Cause yeah. it's well, and cause I think what you're, it helps me. Yeah, no, it, for sure. It helps me too. I, I mean, I, I carry that mentality and sometimes to like when I have a, a rough day and I, this morning was pretty rough for me. I'm not going to say why, but, um, mm. it's, you know, you asked me if I, if I wanted to talk tonight, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah. Let's talk. Like Yay. this seems like a great idea. And I, I find that when I make choices from that sort of place of, mm. I'm going to, I don't even know how to frame it. Like let life flow in kind of perspective, <sighs> like that. It just, it feels really like grounded and kind of like juicy. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I oh my like God. It's a you better sound word. like one of my favorite mentors. I'm going to plug him a little bit. His name's Jamie Caddo. And he did these, mm. he did these, he's, he did this, a uh, bunch of songs with Duncan Bridgman and they traveled around the world and made this band called one giant leap. And there's an intro, mm. it's this world fusion thing, and they interviewed Kurt Vonnegut and Ram Dass and, um, what's the other guy? Eckhart Tolle, and they've recorded with Asha Bosley, one of these great Bollywood singers. And a lot oh. of their songs have these intros, and you remind me of one of their, one of their intros, and I forget, I don't know, I don't know, man, I'm not good at identifying voices to names. It might be Kurt Vonnegut, but I don't think it is. And one of the intros is, it's hard, he's, he's like, it's like a cork screaming in the middle of the ocean saying, I must control, I must control. <laughs> and, uh... and he says, it's hard to just let life happen. It is, but it's so liberating when you do, when you just step back. And of course, yeah, I'll preface this by saying I am in no means perfect or like super adept at this myself. But like when I have those moments where I just surrender, right? Mm -hmm. I surrender Mm -hmm. to what's happening. It's Mm -hmm. like it it's like transformative. It just feels Mm -hmm. so different. And it doesn't mean that things are like 
perfect or like I said I mean this morning was really rough for me and I Mm. I mean I like cried at the park when I went for a walk but it's um being able to hold that sort of duality of experience right like I can have a day where I connect with other people I'm talking to you on this podcast I'm in this interesting conversation and I can also have cried today and like that's Mm -hmm. okay you know that's like what life is sometimes and allowing that natural flow of some days have connection and sadness, you know? Um, And Mm. I I don't know. I think I tend to think that's kind of the beauty of life is like, we can have these really dynamic experiences. I don't know. And to not, I agree completely. I was going to make a joke and say, it sounds like a normal day in Hawaii for me. I just (laughs) cry in the morning, you know, make make some cry in the morning, do a podcast at night. Yeah. It's not that bad. Um, yeah, you know, depending on why you're crying, I guess. But, um, but, but you know, yeah, yeah, it. <laughs> say something. I forgot what I was gonna say. Doesn't matter. Impermanence, right? Impermanence. You know, lesson. one of the most enjoyable things um, that I got to do this year uh, was. To, to narrate my my uh, second Hawaii. Yes. And it was really fun because I I got to go through no it was really it was extra great this is relevant because I'm I'm narrating dialogue of SN Goenka who who is now passed and he says he's a Vipo- mm-hmm. he's like the Vipassana teacher he founded uh Vipassana International and he's, oh, I think gotcha. he's I think he's from Burma and I I I I I I, I had to be very careful because I don't want to do p- cultural appropriation, but I, I had to do his voice just a little bit in the audiobook because he has this very distinctive, deliberate way of speaking. Um, mm. And the way that he, it was so, it was such an incredible experience to embody that this person who lives in Nietzsche and to say, you know, all of the video dialogues are on YouTube now. So when I was writing the book, I was watching the video that we watched at the end of each day. There's 10 videos. Um, and I got to relive that experience. And I don't know, this, this whole conversation just reminds me of, of that, of how central that is to my life, you know, of, of realizing the impermanence. And when you really get that, I think this is what I'm coming back around to. Uh, and when you really get that, when you really get that it is special and you can't predict people, especially as yeah. much as, as anxious people, we would love people to be maybe more consistent. I don't know if you felt that. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> like, you can't, there's like a certain level of acceptance that I think needs to happen in moments where it's like, well, this is just, this is not consistent and this is not what would, what I would like in an ideal world, but this is, life people are not consistent even like Mm -hmm. i'm not consistent all the time Mm -hmm. you know um and that's that's reality right i mean Mm. and i I think these are oh go ahead (laughs) i was just gonna say these these things seem like really straightforward just like chit-chatting about them but they're super (laughs) hard in practice right like really tough stuff Um, but yeah, I mean, the attachment style stuff is really tricky because I think you can, you can apply some of these other concepts to attachment styles kind of like we're doing right where Mm -hmm. we're talking about, you know, Buddhist concepts or or meditation concepts with impermanence and acceptance and, um, you know, what, 
control, right? I mean, control mm-hmm. comes into mind because, like, I think, mm-hmm. again, I think anxious people would like to control in certain ways, just like avoidant people would like to control in certain ways. Um, hmm. Good point. It, yeah, but it's, again, it's both, I think, have those tendencies at times, but it's for very different reasons. Like, I think as an anxious type person, I want to control plans and outcomes if possible and like the amount of information i have which i would like as much information as possible right Um, (laughs) yeah i can identify with that i can identify with that (laughs) give me all of the details it will make me very warm and fuzzy inside you know and i think for avoidance they want to control the influx of emotion like they're very uncomfortable with and I think this comes up where it becomes like a control sort of issue where it's for like with an avoidant, they're like, oh, I'm not super comfortable with my own emotions and I'm not comfortable with yours. And like, I might do things sometimes to try and control or affect how much you express what you are feeling um, from my place of discomfort with what I'm feeling, if that makes sense. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, for the for the most part. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm curious, like, ha, ha, what tools? Because you, I mean, I would say fairly and frankly that you have more experience being in a relationship with an avoidant um, mm-hmm. than I do. What I mean, do you do you feel like? Yeah, uh, well, for, like, do you feel like your attachment style has changed at all? Do you feel like his has changed at all? And then maybe, um, maybe like, what things have helped make that work? Um, I know you did, yeah. you did move, and then that seems like that could be, um, have some positive ramifications to it. Yes. So those are good questions. Um, I would say it's kind of fluctuated for me. So I think, so when I was younger, like in my early twenties, like my anxious attachment style was like kind of in full force Hmm. to the point. I mean, I'll just, I'll just disclose, like, even if like I was dating somebody and they're like, Oh, like I'm not going to see you tonight. I would be super anxious about it. Like I had a really hard time having Hmm. like nights to myself. I did a lot of work on that. Um, wow. prior to being in this relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was going through your mind, if I can ask, if you can expand on that just a little bitty bit? Because I can imagine, yeah, yeah. but I don't want to project. I want, I, I'm yeah. curious what that was like for you. Um, I think for me, it was a, it was a fear of loss of connection. Mm-hmm. Um, I was afraid that it meant something more than just like somebody taking a night to themselves. Mm-hmm. That it was not just for them, that it was about the relationship that it meant the relationship was on rocky ground it like mm. it was like a fear sort of response for me mm. um and uh yeah i mean i did a lot of work on that and uh, like it's interesting looking back speaking of <laughs> 10 years past right um and how i was in college i was very much the person that i always wanted to be out i wanted to be around people i didn't like being home by myself and i think that reflected my struggles with my attachment style in Mm. some ways um and now i love being by myself like it's not Mm. i like crave it sometimes like i like my alone time i like going for walks by myself in the woods like it's it's i like cooking by myself or reading or you know doing art um so that's transformed a lot but that Mm. was prior to the relationship in a lot of ways um and has continued to grow during the course of the relationship um, hmm. 
I, I do think in some ways my anxiety has amplified in other ways, um, hmm. which is kind of hard for me to quantify right now. Now that I'm thinking is it about hard, it, is but... it hard to separate that though from the global pandemic that happened in the middle of your relationship? <laughs> yes. So that's a really good point. And I'll also just kind of throw in my other caveat, which is, mm-hmm. and we referenced this a little bit earlier, but I worked as a nurse for a few years and, um, mm-hmm. I left that career for multiple reasons, um, uh, mostly cause I wasn't happy and wanted to pursue other, um, types of employment, mm-hmm. but I didn't leave nursing unscathed. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I have a bit of trauma from it as you can imagine. Um, hmm. Working in the medical field is not always a walk in the park. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is hard to separate out, like, how much of it is because of other things happening in my life, like changing careers and trying to recover from things that happened during my time in nursing, how much of it is, of it is from the pandemic. Um, I mean, those are big questions, and I, I don't know that there's, like, any way for me to discern what is what, um, but I do know that the pandemic has made it challenging, um, maybe mm. more challenging than it was a couple of years ago in some ways. In terms of what helps, because I think that's kind of what you asked, right? Like what yeah, is like what kind of tools, you know, I mean, besides having your own um, sovereignty, you know, I think I mentioned in the earlier in the show that I had a, I have a dear friend who recently um, is still with her partner, but yeah. moved into her own space. And it's very, she's so excited. And that there were a lot of reasons for that around like living styles. Uh, But what's that, what's that been like? Is that is, yeah, I'm curious about that. And I'm curious, like what tools have helped you deal with an avoidant? Because I honestly, for me, when I smell an avoidant, I just run. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I can't been there, done that. Like like, you'd have to be a pretty, self-aware person who is working yeah. on yourself yes yeah i get that you know and i i i'm aware of my own trauma but uh it's a riot <laughs> yeah no i get that response i think yeah if i was single right now i probably would have the same reaction um <laughs> but it's uh Yeah. I mean, as you said, like i've moved into my own space. I think that does help honestly. It's helped a lot. Um Because I, you know, as an anxious type person, Mm. I tend to pick up a lot from other people. So if they're angry or stressed out, like I feel it. You know, I want to interject very briefly if I could. Um, The way you describe anxious, the way you're Mm -hmm. describing it really makes me wonder if you're like an actual empath. Oh, yeah, I would probably. I mean, Or have a lot of empathic tendencies. Yeah, I think I I do. Like, I feel mm-hmm. things very deeply. Um, and I pick up on other people's stuff, which is also why nursing was not the best career for me, because it was like walking around picking up on everybody's pain all day long. Not not easy to manage if you're, like, well-regulated. Um, oh, <laughs> especially yeah. hard to manage if you're not. Dang. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense, doesn't it? But, I, yeah, I think having my own space is actually kind of a godsend in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like, I... I have peace and quiet. And if my, my, um, my avoidant in my life is having a hard time and having trouble managing their stuff, um, I have my own space where I can Mm -hmm. create safety for myself, if that makes sense. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So I do think that helps a lot. Um, I think Hmm. doing a lot of um, like nervous system regulation work helps a lot. Like I do a lot of um, I do somatic tracking meditations and Hmm. a lot of uh, body based sort of techniques because I mean, when attachment sort of pain comes up, it I turn towards those more somatic techniques. Those help ground me a lot. Um, so going for walks too falls into that category, like being outside in nature, um, digging in dirt as it were, uh, <laughs> that helps a lot. And then I, what you were talking about earlier is making sure that you have, uh, you kind of disperse your resources, right? Your social resources. So yeah. I know that that helps me a ton because if there's if there's trouble and the those sort of attachment styles are are butting up against each other, I often just want to feel connected to somebody, even if it's just. Mm. I mean, like earlier today, I called my, I texted my brother and was like, "Can can you just tell me how your week's going? <laughs> like, I just want to oh. talk to somebody and like hear somebody's voice and like just hear what their life is all about right now. Mm. And that does wonders for me, like just talking to somebody, it doesn't have to be anything huge or ha- I mean, he was talking to me about making um, Chile's rellenos <laughs> with his girlfriend, mm. like nothing, nothing earth shattering, but just kind of hearing a friendly voice makes a huge difference. Um, well, especially I absolutely relate. I just want to add to what you're saying, especially if it's someone, you know, cares about you. And yes. you're just like, you're touching base and yeah, you're, 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 you're touching energy with this person. And even if you're yeah. not, even if the content may not be profound, you know, it's a, you know, sometimes <laughs> who said this, who said that? I think Merlin Mann said this. He said, um, sometimes an email is just a coded way to say, I love you. It's not really about the content. <laughs> I like that. And it, it, not not in a romantic way either. It just like a, I, yeah. I, I care about you. I'm thinking about you. It's, you know, there's these, I don't know. So I, I what you're saying makes a lot of sense. I, I've definitely felt that. I'm just like, I need to touch base with this person. It's been so long and, and, and I'm feeling, maybe I'm feeling kind of lonely, you know, or maybe yeah. I want to kind of. I think kindier. it's okay to be lonely. It's okay to be lonely and to want connection from other people. Um I think there's another thing I would throw in there. Uh, I think people that are anxious and I, I may be speaking out of turn, but at least in my experience, um, we can also have kind of people pleasing tendencies or fawning sort of tendencies. That makes a lot of sense. And Yeah. And so I think it's very easy when you're very externally focused to ignore your own pain and anger. So being able to carve out space to like, I do a lot of anger journaling, actually. Um, Ooh, where, do it, do it, girl. Yeah, yeah. I just <laughs> I rage on I rage on the page, as it were. Um, <laughs> and it's I don't I felt really weird. Do, I I have a neuroplasticity coach that I work with, and she encouraged Ooh. me to do it. She's like, "You got to deal with your anger," and I was like, "I don't want to." <laughs> and she kind of walked me through how to do it. And the first couple times I did it, I felt so uncomfortable. But now when I do it, it's just I just let it, let it happen. Um, I think that can help a lot because those attachment issues just, they bring up a lot of pain, especially residual pain, right. Mm -hmm. From earlier situations or like family of origin, um, situations. Well, this is the, I've got like, I have a question about this, but this is why it really, 
you know, it, it, the, the book Attached talks about this, uh, of just the way you relate to your romantic partner is so much about your relationship with your parents way more than you'd ever yep. want way more than you'd ever want it to be like no 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 it's totally different no, no sorry your your parents were your models for how humans work <laughs> and you are yeah. and if you don't if you're having a problem i'm going to preface this by if you're having a problem it predicates you looking at that it predicates if you're having a romantic problem or even a every interpersonal friendship problem it is often connected with some wound from maybe not mm-hmm. maybe not small kid time, as they would say on Big Island, but it might be mm-hmm. from your teenage years. It might be um, so bringing awareness to that. It I think a lot of folks don't really think about that. Of like, wow, what's my relationship like with my mom today? You might, right. there, might, there might be something there that you could heal, even if even if your mom's gone. Or even if your mom's a really problematic person, you could journal, like you're saying. You could you could write out a letter to her and never send it. And even doing something like that yeah. can be tremendously healing. Oh, I'm a big fan of letters never sent. I do a lot of those too. <laughs> That's Actually. great. I mean, it's just it's helpful because like you don't. I mean, you want to be respectful of people's emotional space, right? And sometimes you just need to get those words out. And let yourself process it that way. But of course, it doesn't need to actually be said to somebody. It's more like for your own good, I oh guess. Is how this resonates it. so much, Caitlin. It, it, yeah. It, it, because you're almost like, it, it, so would you say the anger journaling, which I want to hear a little bit more about, it, is it just like, I almost feel like, I'm going to guess that that works. I, th- I think I've done that accidentally a couple times. I'm generally, I don't have that much anger. Thankfully, I, I sort of my everybody has their favorite negative emotion, right? Yeah, I, I just de- default to the most incredible, pitiful despair. It's 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 I'm like, it's That's just it's just comical. It's comical how pathetic I can be. I'm probably being too transparent <laughs> on a public podcast, but it's comical. But I know I'm not alone. And like, you know, typically people tend to default to sadness or anger in their negative yes. emotion. Sometimes they default to fear. I was going to say, that's more of my terror. My, my yeah. like, pitiful, <laughs> like, baseline is terror, or I just start, like, oh, God, what is happening? Um, um, I, I, I just I, feel sorry for myself. It's the worst. But now that I'm yeah. aware I'm aware of myself, you know. Um, yeah. But, but Isn't that the damnedest? You're like, I know I'm doing this right now, and it's, like, not great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So people who listen to this and uh, uh, be gentle with me if, if this comes up. <laughs> yeah. But, right. You know, Steve Pavlina wrote this great little thing and it was like, it's okay to ask life to be gentler with you. Ooh. And, and oh, I really like that. Isn't that great? And he said, oh, often people will honor that request as well. Yes. I think about that. Yes. That's, um, oh man, that's another one in terms of like the, I don't know, we're like couples therapy. Great. Good stuff. Um, (laughs) repair attempts, like being really clear with communication, I think is really helpful for all of this stuff too. Um, which can be a challenge, but I spend a lot of time (sighs) thinking about how I'm saying things to people and, how can I ask the right questions? Uh, Hmm. You know, how can I, um, 
yeah, like repair attempts, right? So I don't know if you're I'm familiar with, with that, that term. Yeah, could you please yeah. enlighten me on what a repair? I have a guess of what that is, but um, please. Yeah, so this is something I'm learning more about recently. But if you're in a conflict with somebody, whoever it is, right? It doesn't have to be a romantic partner. It could be mm -hmm. a friend, mm -hmm. you know, coworker, family. Um, it's phrases you would use to express that you're um you're invested in the situation that's happening and you want to reduce conflict or tension so it can be anything from like hey can you please be gentler right now that's why you made me think of this um oh yeah to uh that that felt um or if they say something that's that's bothersome to you oh that felt really critical can you rephrase that or uh, I know I didn't say that right. Can I try again? Things like that. Oof. So, like, basically, does that make sense? That's really nice. <clears throat> yeah, isn't it? I really like it because it's like this sort of offering, right? Of like, we're in this situation and it may be really uncomfortable for both of us, but here I'm trying. I'm trying to like make this easier for both of us. Hmm. And I think that's a beautiful thing too. That sort of like mutual investment in everybody's emotional well-being i'm very tempted to ask about something that that i experienced somewhat more recently but it might be hard do to, it well it might be hard to vague up the details because i do live on a very small island but like mm. what would you do if hmm, i don't know how to explain this like if if you're you're friends with someone and they they tell you something that an acquaintance had a concern about Mm, about okay. you that an acquaintance felt let's say like low-key offended but the acquaintance didn't come to me and communicate that so, um so they're coming to my friend who initially wasn't even gonna tell me yeah have i vague this up enough and it's a relatively minor thing but it's just like i don't even know which handle to grab on that suitcase Oh, Sometimes. do you do you know Sometimes. this? We're about to get into our like thirty seventh topic. This sounds like a boundary issue. <laughs> Probably. Right? No, no, it's all, um, the great, all the great topics. This is a great show. It's my best. And one all, ever done. also, as far as that situation goes, I would make all of that none of my business. Um, like if so, well, if well, that's that the thing. My... And this is, I talked to my father. This is good to talk to your. Good to talk to people of different views. I'm sorry. Am I yeah. interrupting you? I was just gonna. No, no, no. You're good. I was just gonna say. My father, who, God, if I had, like, I'm revealing too much. If I had, like, 10% of his imperturbability, I would have Ooh. so much less problems. I have so many fewer. I, if he could share some of that with me, he, too, that'd be great. I have a good, I have, I, I, I'm, it's so, it's so, sidebar, it's so interesting how your relationship with your parents evolves over time. I appreciate mm -hmm. my dad more today than i ever have in my life um and my mom too but like i i had you know you, the, the parent of your same the same sex parent you often have more conflicts with i think yes so like that's true my female friends would be like oh my mom yeah now we're better but man we were younger and it's sort of with me too like when i my dad and i really butted heads in my teen years and that's pretty common i think um but i my my, I was telling the situation to my dad, and I I you know I you have to know I also know where he's coming from, and I know which parts of the advice are actually going to be applicable to 
Uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like the age group I'm dealing with and the, yep. I'm in a different culture than he is. So he's, he's still in Wisconsin. Um, Big Island's different. It's different. You know, we have a real cultural mosaic here. And, um, but, uh, but, you know, the fact that this person who's my acquaintance, who I respect, um, doesn't, is coming across as a not a great communicator, let's say. Um, yes. And then tells my friend their concern. And my friend is like, oh, you know, this thing, he wasn't even going to tell me. And I was like, well, maybe I should talk to this person one-on-one. And I tell my father, this is getting very personal. This is incredible. This better, this better go viral, you guys. <laughs> Write some reviews. We're being oh, very goodness. transparent. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're um, getting into the big topics here. No, people. this is you. We're, we're, we're Caitlin. We're helping people. Um, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I believe so. I believe so. Um, and then, but I, but you said something really interesting. You said none of your business, and that's kind of what my dad said. He was like, "I wouldn't say anything." Um, yeah. This this is not. You know, first of all, the thing that they're offended about. You told me about this. You didn't do anything wrong. They're, they're, they're going through their thing and they're, I don't know why this happens to me, Caitlin, but I feel like for whatever reason, people project onto me a lot. Oh yeah. I feel that too. And maybe it's an empath, empath thing. Yeah. And maybe I'm full of shit. Maybe they don't, but I really feel like they do. (laughs) Um, Well, don't invalidate yourself. Part of, part of, part of being a straight white man in America is invalidating yourself. I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) Come for the jokes. Stay for the boundary talk. Yay! Um, No, what you do for... You know, you you just reminded me what they used to say about podcasts when podcasts were new. They used to say, you come for the topic and you stay for the personalities. Yeah. I don't think about that a lot. It's an interesting question. I I'll tell you my sidebar. Please tell me your why that's relevant. But okay. um, But yeah, anyway, what do you think? Yeah. What do you think? I mean, this is a person who's not coming to me. Uh, someone who I I am going to run into because there's, there's only really like a hundred people near my age. Um, but uh, <laughs> not really. <laughs> but yeah, what do you think? What would you do? I mean, it's I, I haven't given you that many details, but that's the emotional. Oh, I don't think- I think you've given enough. I think you've given enough details. The the scenario makes sense. Um, I would set boundaries with people involved. So the friend conveyed this message from the acquaintance to you. I would just be clear with the friend, like, hey, if they want to talk to me directly, that's great. But, like, I'm not having a conversation about this. Um, That's good. I'm going to write that down. That's kind of what I would do. like a thanks but no thanks and then i would not not bother myself with whatever the acquaintance had had said um because if it was something they were offended by that you did so here's the thing this is here's the kind the of person thing. who says things behind people's back that's the problem yeah no i wouldn't involve myself emotionally with that at all then yeah. um i would make that none of my business um Cause it's, well, cause then we're getting into the idea of like, okay, so I, I think a lot about and read a lot about accountability and that's a skill that I was not taught in my house growing up. Um, and it's one that I struggled with for many years. Like it, it felt really, really scary to be accountable for things. And so I'm trying to do that more and more and more. And 
there's a really interesting balance there with feedback from people, right? Where like you want to maintain your sovereignty. I like that word that you were using that earlier. It's so I'm going to use it again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you want to maintain your sovereignty and your sense of self, but also be open to hearing somebody's perspective about something you you may have done to impact them. But that's where discernment comes in, right? Like mm-hmm. sometimes people have have um, complaints or feedback or issues that have nothing to do with you and are more a reflection of something they need to work through, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the boundary, though, like, it, most, I think most people, if you set a reasonable boundary, like, they're going to respect it. You know, if you just clearly say, hey, I'm not available for, you know, messages coming from somebody else through you, if they want to talk to me directly, I'm happy to talk to them, but or unless you're not you know if you don't want to entertain that conversation you don't have to this person wants to talk to me directly i am absolutely available so you're cool with that yeah Mm -hmm. i mean that's what i would do is just say hey i'm not you know i'm not communicating about this indirectly if they want to speak to me themselves like i'm open to that um but i will not be having um what would you even call that conversation like telephone i will not be playing telephone yeah Yeah, because that's kind of what that is right yeah yeah okay i made a little note thanks for being patient with me it's the only thing i'm gonna edit yeah no prob no prob <laughs> but yeah it's 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 uh it's stressful yeah it when sounds like, like it comes up. social dynamics can be really tough sometimes mm-hmm. like really really tough but i don't know i'm all i i don't i like what you said about communication earlier i I like to hammer that home all the time because I do, I do believe, and maybe this is an oversimplification. Tell me what you think about this, but I think most issues between people can be solved with um, a more thorough or um, clear communication. That's that's my belief. Yeah, I I tend to agree. I I think um, I would say a majority of problems. I don't know if yes. that's sixty three percent of problems or seventy nine percent of problems, but it does feel that way, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> it does to me, at least, for sure. So, like, um, how this is this has been such a this is such a wide ranging, um, and it's this is fantastic. Um, so, in terms of the, in terms of, are there any tools? In, that have helped you in creating that space in the avoidant dynamic or, or what, or what helps you? Yeah. What helps you? What makes, um, you know, because the reality is that someone who's real anxious or someone who's real avoidant, they're both types of dysfunction, right? As defined yeah. in, in the book. Yeah, for and, sure. and, and, and honestly, both people are suffering. Yes. And you, you, absolutely. You, you can hope you can hope the ideal, right? The ideal and the hope is that both people will build trust and have compatible goals enough to be a place where they can hopefully become more secure and yes. less anxious and less avoidant. And, and Attach does talk about this, um, but that takes time. It takes work. Oh, yeah. And desire. Desire. Yep. Yep. Which is not always the strong suit of avoidant types. <laughs> Just, just throwing that. They're the throwing worst. It out there. Well, it's really the worst. No, no. But to be fair, both <laughs> types, both types want the same thing. They both want connection, but they're both trying to go about it in a way that's not effective, right? Like oh, well anxious, said. anxious types 
it can be very overbearing. Like, I'll own that. I can be overbearing and, like, a little stifling to people, especially historically. I was definitely that way. Oh, I've absolutely um, felt annoying. I must be what? so an- I must be so annoying to this person right now, like that kind of thing. Oh god, I've felt that way many, many times. Like <laughs> they are probably like, What in the world like did I sign up for? Honey, um, please. So yeah, I totally yeah. empathize with the people. Shout out to people I dated when I was like in my early twenties, because I know yeah. that was not always super fun. Um uh, <laughs> In any case, yeah, tools. I mean, grounding. Like, did yeah. I talk about that earlier? Grounding is like so. I don't think we helpful. talked about so, that. Yeah. yeah. So I um, like the bottom of my feet are one of my tools where I like if I'm starting Ooh. to feel really overwhelmed, I just focus on the bottom of my feet. Um, and then the somatic tracking, something that is super a work in progress right now, is trying to like acutely identify when I'm starting to get flooded so that I can take a break um, and not escalate the conflict. So I've made a, I wrote down the other day did cause <laughs> we could talk about Enneagrams cause I'm like a Enneagram four wing. Am I a wing one? Yeah. A wing one, which is like the so, super like organized analytical type. Um, but yeah, I made a list of one through 10 and then like categorized all of my body mind and like emotion responses all the way up to like extreme distress um so i could like be really clear about like what's happening inside of me when i'm starting to get upset in one of those situations wait 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 are you describing like like in general like you're making like a rubric that you could use later or was it that about that moment Oh, that I can use later. So, like, um, for instance, I can't remember which number it is, but if I start... So, if I start fawning, right? Like, you're familiar with, like, the fawn nervous system response? Yes? Mm, no? I don't think I quite know what you mean in this context. Okay, so... And a lot of our listeners about, like, probably don't know either. Okay, well, I'll, I'll do a quick a quick little ex- explainer. Um, so, nervous system responses, you have fight, flight freeze and fawn people don't always know about freeze and fawn but fawning is like when you get into really intense distress your nervous system starts to get activated but the way you behave in response to that is you start it's kind of like people pleasing in a way so um what it looks like is like oh no please don't go don't leave me like oh, I'm sorry, it's my fault. Like, what can I do to fix it? Um, That sort of response, which I can sometimes go into. It's something I'm working on. But um, so, yeah, so I I can look at my list and be like, okay, I'm at like a six if I start fawning. Like, I'm definitely getting flooded. I need to like check in with myself, ground, maybe take a break. Um, So it's almost like pacifying if I'm hearing you or understanding you correctly. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, in a way. It's like appeasing. it's like self it's self yeah, appeasement. It's self abandonment at its core, right? Yeah. Like you're like ignoring your own needs, your own autonomy to like try and get somebody to like choose you, essentially. Um Yeah, that would be my summary of it. But yeah, I mean knowing like being I think awareness is like really crucial with navigating these situations so like knowing like what's happening to me in these situations when am i going into like sort of pattern behavior and what can i choose to do differently like that's and i think um i mean that's something i've i've been working on with my neuroplasticity coaches anytime i'm in one of these situations and i'm getting distressed staying in my lane i guess would be 
hmm. a way of framing it. So, like, yeah. instead of worrying about what the avoidant is doing, like, where am I at? Like, what do I feel? Like, what do mm. I need right now? Because mm. um, it's really easy for me to ignore that in those situations. I want both of us to become more secure because that's just a much healthier, stable way to exist, right? Like, for everybody. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. that's my goal. That's my goal. I want to move closer towards secure attachment. And I... Yeah, it's it's really tough. I mean, those attachment wounds can be extremely deep and extremely distressing um, and very hard to step back and choose differently when that's happening, right? Um, I, I Like I said, I mean, I made that kind of tongue-in-cheek comment earlier about, like, that not being the avoidance strong suit, but it's true. Like, they, um, avoidance tend to be less self-aware, I think. Um <laughs> You laugh because you know it's true, right? <laughs> your words, not mine, miss. Your words. Yeah, I'll own it. I'll own it. I'll stand, I'll stand up here and own that fully. Um, <laughs> as an avoidant, I think there's there's still a fear of abandonment in a lot of ways. But instead of mm. risking abandonment, they just choose not to connect. Because then they don't risk being abandoned. Um, where anxious types seek that connection and risk that abandonment all the time and then they look for abandonment everywhere and then freak out when they think they see it <laughs> that makes sense. wow that is actually one of my favorite summaries i've heard of that in a while because that does <laughs> that does resonate um you know and it, it's it's interesting because coming out of that and uh and then and then um Let's see. Let's say within a certain period of time, a while later, but not a great while later, um, ha having having a you know going out with somebody who was also avoidant. It was like two in a row, and mm. and just being like, oh my god, I see the appeal. Like this makes me want to not uh, be emotionally uh, vulnerable. Because yeah. there was a period, and I'm not in that period anymore, thank goodness, but there was a period, um, you know, which which was mostly in the in, in the heady early days of the pandemic, uh, where I was just like, I see the appeal of avoidance. Like, yes. I, I see the appeal of keeping people at arm's length, because yeah. people are so traumatized. And it was yeah. the first time in my life where I saw the appeal of that, but I also saw where that road leads. Yes. And I was like, okay, but if I, if I'm a, even a little bit like that, how am I going to feel? Like if, if I, if I try out being a little less anxious, cause it, you know, it's very easy to just go from one stupid extreme to another. Right. And I was like, no, I don't like that either. <laughs> no, but I, but I think what you're getting at, which is an interesting point, is I I think you can find value in each of the types. So I would also throw in there that I think avoidant types uh, are naturally a little bit better at setting boundaries. Um, and that's something yeah. I've learned a lot like, and admire um, in the avoidant in my life is... I get irritated sometimes when he sets boundaries, but then I sit and think like, Okay, he does that really well and like much more effectively than me a lot of the time. Okay, we gotta. You know? ask, I gotta ask this. Can you give me? Is is it possible to give me an example for that, or is that too hard to? 
abstract no 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 um okay so my so this is also i don't know this is exclusively an anxious attachment thing i think this just might be more of a caitlin's brain thing um (laughs) my brain tends to work in webs is how i describe it so like anytime i'm talking like think of this conversation the way this conversation is gone i see everything we're talking about as being related in some way i do too like connected yeah i don't know if you know this a lot of other people do not think that way they do not see connections uh, between things. They're like more compartmentalized, you think? Yes. And the avoidant in my life is very compartmentalized with how he thinks. Mm. So if we're talking, if we're having a conversation about the relationship, I'll bring up a topic that he sees as like kind of tangential. I see it as connected, but there needs to be that willingness, right, to meet each other where they are. And I know that he gets really overwhelmed if we're talking about too many topics. So it's a calibration we have to make. And he'll say, hey, I'm not talking about that topic today. And that's setting a boundary, right? Like, I'm not going to talk about that. And it's it's a totally fair thing to do to say, hey, like, I'm not in a place to talk about that. It's too much or it's like overload for the conversation we're having. And that's a learning. That's been a learning curve for me is like understanding like the value in what he's saying and respecting that boundary. Mm. Um, even if my brain is like, but it's connected, you know. And I imagine that can be a very difficult boundary to 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 hear. I mean, I would be much yeah. more open to a boundary like that if it was. <laughs> I mean, depending on depending on the topic that's being vetoed for the day depending on mm-hmm. which it, what it would be, I would be like, you know, if it was certain topics, I would really want that to be soft-served. <laughs> be like, yes. can we please postpone this until... Please goes a long way with me. Just can we please postpone this for like tomorrow morning instead of them saying blankly, I'm not talking about this today. That's a different conversation uh, where I'm from. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I hear that and I relate to that very deeply. Um, I gentleness is a love language for me. Like Me too. Me too. Like a hundred percent. Like, yes. If I would much prefer in an ideal world, uh, hey, I know that's important to you. Can we table it until tomorrow? Yes. That would be my like mm-hmm. ideal world that would give me warm fuzzies. But I get that like I can't I mean, you're not always going to get that. Yeah. No, you're not going to get the kind of like communication you want all the time. And people are imperfect. They don't always say the right, the right things or like the preferred things. And I don't know. I mean, I, I like that as an opportunity to like grow within myself and be accepting of like a wide variety of experiences in my life, even if like I don't love them. Right. It's almost like a challenge. Like, can you, can you hear this person saying it in this way and still be the person you want to be in the room? Right. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. It's like, okay, like they're setting this boundary. I don't love how they're saying it, but like, who am I right now? Like, and Well, and this, I think, is also a strategy with some of these situations. And I learned this from a couples therapist that we only saw for like a month because there were a lot lot of red flags with with her that we ultimately were like, "Mm, I don't think this is a good Oh, tell me a red flag. Tell me a red flag. (laughs) Um, She, multiple sessions, tried to tell us that electric magnetic fields were maybe affecting our communication with each other. (laughs) And oh. 
I don't know. I don't know where what she was all about, but like my partner is like super not open minded about stuff like that. I'll like entertain it out of curiosity sometimes or be like, yeah, tell me more about that. But he was just like, what the hell? Like So yeah, I'm that so happened. Sorry. I believe in some things that some people might call woo-woo. But, oh, same. But that, same for sure. but that, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm. We've lost all of our astrologers. I know. I know. I mean, comedic. Pause. I respect. No. I respect people that have different beliefs. But um, wait, where were we going with that? Oh, you were talking question? about the red flag from your therapist, and then what? What helped? Yeah. Oh, it was a red flag. Yeah, because she told us. She told us something. That's what I was getting at. Is she gave us some piece of advice that was actually like really useful. She she, she warned you about the the uh, the uh, the EMFs. Um, but then she told you she something did. about, she told you advice about love. She did. She did have some really good advice, weirdly enough. But um, it was just like a little stressful to have that sort of agenda pushed on a regular basis. She talked to her about the, she should have talked to her about the UFOs. I know. I know. I feel like she would have, she would have gladly conversed about that. That's something else we talk about on this show. But yeah. So that was a red flag. Oh, values. Oh, I, I, yeah, I remember it was. Um, I knew it would come she back. encouraged us. She encouraged us. Yeah, it, it always comes back. She encouraged us to, in any situation, when you're pausing and kind of considering what you want to do, like how you want to behave, asking yourself, like, what are my values? And like, hmm. what can I choose in this situation that aligns with my values? And I thought that was a really valuable piece of advice. Because if you're in a situation and, you know, like my my partner set this boundary and didn't do it in the most gentle way. And like, I don't love yeah. that. And it's kind of hard to take in. What are my values? Okay. I value respecting people, right? I value, um, considering the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, that the what other, other people have to say are valid, right? Like that, well, you're a naturally empathic person. So this yeah. makes, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like I believe in empathizing with people and trying to mm -hmm. see their point of view. So like, okay, well I have a choice in that situation, right? I can protest and be like, you know, criticize for the way he did it or, <laughs> you know, um, refuse to respect his boundary and, <clears throat> That's not how I want to show up in those situations. It doesn't, again, I'm going to preface this by saying like, oh my goodness, like sometimes I do override boundaries because I think everybody does to some extent sometimes um, without yeah. even knowing it. But I want to be in a place of awareness as consistently as possible so that I can choose in those moments how I want to show up, right? So thinking like, what are my values and how do I want to act right now? And that's really like a mindfulness practice of a kind of like, I'm here yeah. in the present moment. How do I want to respond? Yeah, absolutely. And I think when we, I just want to, I just want to add something to what you're saying and what you're saying is beautiful. And I agree. And I, it resonates very much. Like uh, I've, I've definitely, um, and people in my life have really encouraged me to even, to even like figure out my top five values. I did that at a workshop mm. once. Yep. It was really useful. Um, it was a Steve Pavlina workshop, which hopefully I'll get him back on the show. Um, he's been a big positive impact on my life. Uh, very mm. passionate about personal growth. Probably more passionate about personal growth than anybody else you'll ever meet. Did you and send me his name a while I back? Prob I probably I like did. did. Yeah, I think you did. He he writes very useful stuff. 
and yeah. uh, he does um he does some good he used to do off and on he'll do some good YouTube stuff too. But uh he I ranked my values and it was a very enlightening experience. But I think when we throw around the word values, at least I used to when I was again in my early twenties, I'd be like, Whoa, that sounds really like a it's almost like a lofty idea, you know? You have values. And it's very easy to be like, whoa, this is, that's one of their values. And I really wish someone would have told me values are just what you find valuable in your life. It's not, it's not complicated. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not uh, fancy. I think some people get kind of fancy. Uh, And that's fine if you want to be fancy, but really it's like you're, you're a person, you have, uh, in theory, free will, you get to decide how you show up. Um, some people have more privilege than others, uh, but but we have a certain amount of will, and we can decide what's important to us. Yes. And in my experience, if we really decide, like, okay, what what are what are things that are really important to me? You know, some easy ones might be honesty, or or playfulness, or humor, or spontaneity. You know, creativity creativity huge yeah. One. Yeah, yeah 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 and if we can get in touch with those values um we can like exactly what you're saying you can be more intentional right about how we're responding like am i embodying what's actually important to me or am i reacting right i think that's yes. the difference if you're not present um then you're just going to react you're just going to like act out of your whatever lizard brain i guess yeah <laughs> Yes, this is accurate. And I just yeah, want to interject I mean, that because I think people get fancy with values and it's yeah, really it doesn't not have to be. It's just how do you want to show up? Like, what kind of person mm. do you want to be? That's kind of what it comes down to, you know, like, what do you want to do with your time? Mm-hmm. It's that, too. Right. It doesn't have to be complicated. And Ooh. what do you feel? What do you feel drawn to do? You know, it's kind of what I was talking about earlier, that that sort of expansiveness that happens when you realize everything's per- impermanent you know everything's a nature yes. everything's like rising and passing away including like your your people you know every person you know everything you've ever seen will be you know there's this really funny thing i'm going to quote merlin man again because he's also a big inspiration on me every every um cup you've ever held is in this great span of time just you're holding it in this brief instant where it's temporarily unbroken <laughs> Oh. And I think I think that's pretty profound, oh, and that's I think, very interesting. Yeah, and 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 it's he's not wrong, and I just think if we can embrace that temporariness, um, I hope I'm not taking you off your point, but I just this, this all oh, reminds no. me. It's like that web you're talking about, right? Um, then we can just be more intentional and present and be like okay this person's showing up in this way they may they may be anxious they may be avoidant they may be secure they may be disorganized hopefully not um and i have to decide and i was talking to a friend uh who's in a relationship with someone who's avoidant talking to a friend recently and i was like this person i think i mentioned it before we started recording yeah. this person's not going to change yeah um or, or or very slowly people do change you know give them 20 they do. years i believe that change. yeah but it's often in the span of decades, right? Right. And it's like you get to decide if you can tango with the dance that he's doing. Yes. Um, uh, you know, and and you you keep coming back with me with these concerns that don't seem like they're really changing, and you know, my heart goes out to her. 
Um, and I feel people... like I could have an interesting conversation with her. <laughs> you love her. She's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but that's a know, good maybe... point. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that sort of awareness, though, I think that you're getting at, to me, that's freedom. That, like, every moment mm. we have, you can choose differently, right? Like, even if you choose something and you're like, well, that did not turn out how I wanted it. <laughs> You have another moment right after that where you can choose differently. And I've I've found that, like, super reassuring that even if, like, I'm in a conflict or something, right, and things are, you know, I, whatever, I, like, speak out of turn or, like, raise my voice a little bit and get really exasperated or whatever it is, I can choose to ground into my feet and take a deep breath mm. and, you know, soften my voice and offer a repair. Like, it's... I don't know. I think the whole navigating the the complicated sort of dance between attachment styles, um, Mm. it requires a lot of awareness and a lot of choosing differently, right? Because I think what happens sometimes is it's really easy for both. I've noticed this in myself and my partner um, Mm. to kind of spiral into shame when you fall (laughs) into your patterned behavior. Like, Oh yeah, and I'm beat. I'm doing it again. I beat myself up. Yeah, like oh crap, there we go. And I know you feel it. You feel it like kind of viscerally, like in your gut. Like uh, ick. I just like did something that I am not like happy about myself for doing. Mm. And then it's so easy to go into like toxic shame about it. Mm. But I think when that, I was gonna say, and, and that could be as simple as you just pushing them to visit you when they're wanting a right. quiet day. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. Or like talking just a little bit too much when I can see that my partner's like glazing over and I'm like, oh my God. Um, you know, you know how it is. To be fair, I bet when you do interject something, it's probably the, it's probably something that needs to be said. It's like the thing that people aren't saying. But, yeah, <laughs> that really bothers people sometimes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I yeah, no, I have that habit where I I don't know if this is like an empath thing or something, but I tend to see things about people that they may not see about themselves. Um, mm. And if you say that to people and they don't want to hear it or they don't want you to tell them that, it can feel really invasive to them. Um, so it's not something I do super, super often. Um, Mm. they'll be all like, I feel seen and then they run away. Yeah. (laughs) Or they're like, that's not how I am. Right. Get away. Um, Oh God. I, I, I've definitely experienced that. Um, and have got to a point where oftentimes I won't say anything anymore. Yeah. Same. Because. I'm like, I have this maybe naive belief in life Mm -hmm. that if that, that's a lesson that they need to learn, they're going to keep, they're going to keep attracting it. Yes. Until they get it. Yes. Cause I've experienced that. I've, I've been the fly. I've been the cork in the ocean. Yes. (laughs) And it's also difficult to see yourself clearly. Yeah. <laughs> like yes. you, there's definitely, that's like, you know, that that's one of the things that I always appreciate 
about a communicative partner is I learn things about myself and they learn things about themselves. And hopefully yes. we're gentle and loving and like, hey, did you know you do this thing? And did you know? and it might not even be, it might not even be like a negative connotation. It might just be like something funny that they do, you know, but yes, it sounds I, like, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say like, that's, that's why I like love communication so much is because I learn so much about people and I think people are so interesting and like precious and I don't know, like I just, I don't know. I believe in people, right? Like I believe people are good and I, I like how you said that, like you just, you're kind of like learning about people and you learn about yourself through talking to people and I don't know, that's like, I don't, that's like one of my biggest motivators in life is like, I just want to talk to people. (laughs) Well, you're on the right, you're on the right darn show. (laughs) But, uh, you know, there's this, there's this book series. It's, it's, I'll be honest, it's kind of weird. Um, but it's, it's, it's pretty good. And it's, um, it's called the law of one books and it's a philosophical book. They're, they're kind of out there, but this, the content is really useful. Um, I don't necessarily think that it's all like to be taken literally, but one of the things they say in the law of one books, um, the concept of the books is like, there's like the whole galaxy is like kind of self-aware as like a thing. Oh, it's pretty cool. One of the, one of like the things in it is that they're, they're talking about being a human on earth and they're saying that you're, spiritual growth or even like your personal growth whatever they've almost become interchangeable in the 21st century is extremely accelerated by other selves they say because they function as it's very accelerated your growth is very accelerated by other selves because you are all mirrors to each other and there are there are necessarily things that you kind of can't learn if you're alone in a cave yes so that's part of the the whole, I would say, um, air quotes game that we're in. <laughs> well, and that's there's a parallel with the writing too, because we were talking about editing, right? That's what, how I view editing, right? Is like hmm. you when you're editing, when somebody's editing your work, they have this sort of insight and perspective that you don't have that is like so valuable for yeah. what you're doing, like that sort of mirroring, right? Like somebody else's unique perspective and experiences and insight they're bringing to your work and sharing that with you. And that's why it's so beautiful. Oh my goodness. I'm going to need to get off here soon. I know it's pretty late. Way over. (laughs) Thanks for joining me though. Uh, Well, is there anything you'd like to leave people with? Do you want people to follow you on um, Instagram? If they want. I mean, well, I'm used to, Pointing people toward a thing, you know, you got to do a call to yeah. action at the end of a at the end of a show. You're supposed to do a call. Yeah, to I think if they want to follow for recipes, that would be great. You're always welcome on my Instagram, as you mm-hmm. said. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would, I think my like sort of closing thoughts are please just I I hope people communicate with each other more, mm-hmm. and that there's so much to be learned from our our own struggles and the struggles of others. And I wish we lived in a world where people didn't turn away from the depth of that as much as they do. Do you know what I mean? Like there's so much vulnerability is scary. 
Yes, it is. It's really scary. <laughs> and I get that. And I empathize with it greatly. Um, but that's where that's where life is, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know. Sing it, sister. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mike drop. Hey, well, thanks for being on this show. Uh, she just dropped it. <laughs> Thanks uh, for having me. You're very welcome. I would, I would, uh, I just want to hit the button. Okay, this is it. Like and subscribe. Wait, no, that's YouTube. Um, leave a review on iTunes. Thank you. I love you. And there you have it. Part two of the attachment style special. Thanks for tuning in. This week we'll have a bit of a different bonus on the Patreon. Once again, that's patreon.com/slash Hello Crusoe. We're going to have some video bonuses that are going to be really fun and surprising. I want to say thanks again to everyone who supported the show in any way, whether you've left reviews on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, even just subscribing at andrewcrusoe.com slash podcasts. You can listen to this on Spotify now, if that's your thing. And uh, just thanks for being here. Uh, I'm so thankful for the experience of holding this space and having these conversations in this show. And I can't wait to share more with you. I'll see you next time. Mahalo.